plants in nature are a great source of both happiness and can even be educational for children. Like, for example, never trust any plant that comes from outer space. They either want to eat you or make you grow meteor shit all over your body. It's time to get out your green thumbs, you know, the ones you keep severed in your freezer, because we're talking botanical horror on this episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. Attention planet Earth and beyond. Stay tuned for Attack of the Killer Hello and welcome, all you gardeners, to another Vine episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. Oh god, it's starting already. This is show 263, and we will be talking about botanical horror. That's right, killer plants. Now, there's probably some of you out there that don't like this topic, but I don't care at all. Uh, I I don't really (laughs) want to get into any of that right now, so let us continue. So sit back. Turn up the volume and enjoy this episode of <laughs> Attack of the Killer Podcast. If this is your first time listening to the show, let me get to the root of what Attack of the Killer Podcast is oh all about. Oh, God, this hurts. <laughs> we are a horror movie podcast. We're a group of friends. We get together and we talk about horror movies. We harvest up a topic and discuss movies within that topic. Sometimes we yammer on and, and soy there may be spoilers. If this show appeals to you, consider becoming an attacker. If you go to jointheattackers.com, you can donate to the show by picking the tier that beats suit you and weed out all the rest. Once you sign up for the tier of your choice, you will get all kinds of content for your support. A lot of shows out there ask for your money and give you very little support, uh, give you very little for your support, and that really irrigates me. It can leave you a bit wilted, but here at Attack of the Killer Podcast, you definitely get more for your dollar. You become an official attacker, which allows you to choose from a full garden of extra content. You can get a membership card, an official certificate, and sticker. You can get shout-outs on the show and the website. But that's not all. We've really branched out to give you more content um, than most other shows do. There are bonus episodes, different video series, all kinds of great stuff. And you can get all that by becoming an attacker. Again, that's go, go to jointheattackers.com and sign up today. And now it's time to introduce you to the podcast crew. Now, I know you guys think my intros are bad, but I think these jokes will really grow on you. He once fell in love with a flower... It was a real, it was a real budding romance, Andy. Everybody. Oh wow, wow! It's like a your your puns are like a fungus; they just don't go away. Hi, everybody. He got a speeding ticket when he let his house plant drive. I guess it really put the pedal to the metal. Tad, everybody. Uh, you've had too much fun writing this one. Oh yeah, I went I went crazy. How you guys doing? Uh, better now that you're done, I think. I <laughs> oh, there's it. no, there's still more. <laughs> oh yeah, this this isn't gonna end. This you know. no, no. <laughs> we, we have a lot more show to go. 
<clears throat> so Shutter, have you heard of it? Love it. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I know you have, but I'm going to tell you about it again. I know it may sound corny, but lend me your ear. Shudder is the streaming service for any and all types of horror fans. There is so much great stuff that you just might soil yourself. I knew this guy named Artie, and when he saw all that Shudder had to offer, Artie choked. So don't let your life go to seed and sign up for Shudder. We here at Attack of the Killer Podcast will plant the seed for your new life with Shudder by giving you a month of Shudder for free. Just enter our promo code AOTKP and get your first month for free. Now, we here at Attack of the Killer Podcast, we're all couch potatoes. So it's time now we branch out and learn what we've been watching lately. Here's Tad with what we watched. Well, I will say, you can speak for me, I am a couch potato at times, but I do not think Andy is much of a couch potato. He's more of a, a, like a, a more healthy fruit. Um, <laughs> yeah. But Andy, speaking of, what have you watched recently? Well, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit more active, but I may, you know, take up smoking a certain plant in order to put, put up with all these puns, but um, <laughs> <laughs> I actually watched, uh, qu- quite a bit, um, as, as the case is with everybody, I did watch the first half of, uh, Stranger Things. Hell yeah, me Lo- too. Loved it. Um, this, uh, this, uh. Fourth season seems to be a little bit more mean spirited. It's almost borderline evil deadish, in in my estimation. With you know the possessed people coming back from you know the other side, and um, uh, the wife and I are loving it so far. Um, kids are kids are much older. Um, I don't want to I don't want to give too much away. I'm enjoying the new characters. Um, the uh, I think a lot of people will agree with me that the fourth episode was quite a na- quite a nail biter. Good adventure um, episode, action packed. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, but um, I'm very anxious to see w- w- to see what's next. Uh, I think I don't really need to say anything because I think most of our listeners um, are probably watching it anyway. So. Uh, yeah, let's let's keep going. I'm I'm stoked. I mean, I hear like the next uh, the next episodes are gonna be like a freaking Martin Scorsese length, you know, kind of movie. I mean, like I hear yeah. like ones like over two hours. So yeah, the final episode's oh two and a half, and they said it has more like visual effects than the entire franchise build up until this. Which I don't know wow. if that's great or not. I mean, you think about it, that's like two and a half episodes. So. Um, I don't know. It gives me big uh, Nightmare on Elm Street vibes this season, not just because Robert yeah. England's in it, but because of the theme of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's because it's it's um, he's uh, this Vecna, this character. He's very mean spirited, and he gets to you know, you, you know, the heart and soul of you know the, of each character that he's kind of screwing with him. Um, and it's good to see reoccurring characters that have passed on. I'll just I'll just say that. Um, but yeah, I'm loving it so far. Um, I also watched the first three episodes of uh, The Boys on Amazon for their third season, which 
Um, I'll even come out and say this. I like it even more than Stranger Things because I just, I mean, I've loved this show since it started. And I will say this with the utmost confidence. Uh, the Homelander is the best villain on TV, hands down. I will argue with anyone till I'm blue in the face. This guy is a royal piece of shit. It's funny you say that because, one, I just last night finished the season one finale. I just started this over the weekend while oh. working. So, you know, I, I saw the first episode when it first came out and I, I really liked it, but I didn't uh, keep up with it. And then, like, usually right around now, I, I need something to play in the background while I'm doing busy work. And so I started watching it. And, and second, I was just going to say, I saw on Reddit today someone say the exact same thing you just said. It said um, that Homelander is the best villain in TV and film right now. Uh, fight me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I will stand right beside that guy and fight anyone because this, I mean, by the time... Um, if you keep watching, I mean, if you think he's a freaking dick now, I mean, it, now that this the start of the third season, ooh, wow, he, you know, just when you think this guy can't hit a ceiling of shittiness, I mean, he just goes above and beyond. I mean, this guy is nuts. Um, and just the just the overall just unapologetic, just really nasty gory violence that is in this show is just insane like the first episode of the, of the third season you'll see something just so damn wild i'm laughing about it now because i was laughing when i was seeing it and it just gets it's it's got so much blood and guts in it i mean you'd think you were watching evil dead but it's a superhero show but um highly 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 recommend that um i also caught jackass forever hilarious i also watched uh jackass uh 4.5 tad you're right i am you know i am good on full frontal male nudity for the rest of my <laughs> life I, I i don't need to see any more um uh but also just uh re really great stuff um I normally I don't get too queasy when it comes to comes to things, but the sashimi part I could have never <laughs> ever. Ugh, oh God, I don't even like thinking about it. Um, what else? Uh, what else? What else? What else? Um, I also caught Firestarter. Um, okay, uh, I will say that it was well made, but and the music is obviously good. Yeah. Um, but, but here's the deal. It's, it, it didn't really do much. It's very for forgettable to me. Yeah. It, see, the thing is, it's, they did this very sweeping generalization to the backstory, which is supposed to support the main story. Right. And it's, they just put that on the back burner. You know, it's just like, I felt like there would have been more, ex, more at stake. And if they would have explained it a little bit better, it's just like, oh, we were doing experiments. And then this, they just kind of, okay, now we're off. Um, you know, it's, it just, yeah, it's, it didn't do, it didn't do enough to, to get me to care enough, I guess. Um, to me, it's like eating, you know, it's, it's like, dry white toast i mean you can eat it but why yeah you know <laughs> it's just uh it, yeah it just really it's 
it really kind of missed the mark with me. I mean, some people may really, really like it, but like I said, it's it's well made. But um, have like, you like have the, you read the story? I have not. No. See, like, I've never even seen the original Drew Barrymore one. I've never read the story, so me this neither. is my first uh, Firestarter experience, and I'm like. People are like, well, the original wasn't very good and the story's not very good either. So it's really hard to adapt it into something good when it didn't start as something good. So I don't know. Yeah, in the yeah. same boat. I had never seen the original and never read the original story because it just didn't seem interesting to me. Yeah. So watching the new one, I I stopped I turned it off probably about twenty minutes in just because I wasn't it, um. just, it was I didn't find it interesting. It's wasn't a bad movie. It wasn't poorly made. It's we just, have a million telekinetic, uh, superpower kids. Yeah, it just seemed uh, to me just, yeah, not interesting. I mean, it, it was yeah, like a, it, an hour and a half passed by. I got to listen to some Carpenter tunes, and then I forgot about it about 10 minutes after it ended. Yeah, that score is, is worth the price of admission. But it's it yeah. seems like, you know, do you, do you get the feeling that it's kind of pigging, piggybacking off the Stranger Things hype? Uh, not so much this one. There was a lot of things that I, f- I feel like have been doing that. Um, but to me, this sort of felt like they were jumping on the Stephen King bandwagon and they were mm. a little late to it. And I think they Blumhouse sort of realized what they had on their hands and they're like, shit, let's just put this to Peacock too. Cause we know it's not going to do well in yeah. theaters. Maybe right. Uh, and you know, th- at least it, by putting it on Peacock, a lot of people who probably would never have gone to the theater, check it out, watched it, and it got a little bit of like rumbling online, even if it was not the greatest. At least people were talking about it, which yeah. I think if they went straight to theater and, and nothing, it would have really bombed. It would have just been no nobody giving a shit about it. So, Yeah, yeah that's fair. Um, that's pretty much all I got to talk about. So, All right. Yeah. Mike, what have you watched? Uh, well, I did also watch both jackass forever and jackass four point what is it four point five five yep love it great stuff now don't know what to really say about it other than i just i just die laughing every time at that stuff what was the the poopies one um where he hits the ladder out from under him he says something uh like how dare i or how uh i'll show i'll show me is what he says i'll show my i'll show show me and hits the ladder out from under him that that was my favorite just because it's so incredibly dumb yeah, he's actually one of my one of my favorites. Is is poopies? He's he's go listen to I him like... on on Steve-O's podcast, and you'll you'll probably appreciate him more and be really sad because he is like almost homeless and completely broke because they oh. didn't pay him like anything for this movie. Oh, what to go through all that shit and not get they, paid? They, they basically that. like lowballed all these guys, knowing that they would never never say no to a jackass movie, and mm. uh, yeah, wow. This guy got bit in the face by a goddamn snake, and you're not gonna pay him. Fuck, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I do want to talk about Tad. You're awesome. Um, the movie you brought up last week, I just immediately had to watch just based on your recommendation. Chippendale. Chippendale is freaking sweet. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Oh, it. Now, I'm a. I am a sucker for. You know, um, Easter eggs and and nods to other stuff. And you're right this 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 movie just has so much. Like I've watched it twice already, just because I'm trying to catch everything. You know, and you still didn't catch everything. Oh, it's impossible! It's impossible. I mean, there's that scene where they find all the missing 
pieces from the different. Oh, it's like a like the collector's wall in in uh, like yeah. uh, Gardens of Galaxy, basically. And it's like, holy shit, where do I look now? Yeah, I know. We paused it a, a few times during that shot, and we couldn't we couldn't decipher half of it, you know. But you know, there's just so much. But yeah, it's a, I loved Ugly Sonic. He was great. I just I so appreciate <laughs> them doing that and just. How much fun fun they were making fun of everybody, you know, like the whole Sonic thing or, you know, even making fun of even buying the hand that feeds them with making fun of Disney and and just oh, and I love all of the like fake movie posters. Uh what was the one? Um uh Meryl Streep as Mr. Doubtfire. Yes. <laughs> or or what was it, Batman versus uh E. T. <laughs> Batman versus ET. <laughs> <laughs> I would watch the whole movie of that. Well, I totally um, would. Lego Miserable. <laughs> that was a great one. Too. Like, how do we not have that? I'm surprised that you're it, killing it, me here, man. I haven't yeah. seen this yet. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry for giving stuff away, but you, yeah, you need right. to see it's it. It's not so bad. I I know I need to. I want to get the I want to get the wife uh, to sit down and watch it with me. So and that just hasn't been possible yet. I couldn't figure out who. Tigra was. Was that supposed to be Tigra from like a new version of Thundercats or something? There was or a couple that's... I questioned. Like when I was watching, I was like, is the polar bear? It's clearly, no, it clearly is. It's, it's from, it's a Coca Cola bear. It's Coca Cola, but they couldn't get Coca Cola to sign right. off. Right. So, so they made, there's a... they make several references to the fact that he can't, yeah. which is funny. And there's, there's actually, a, yeah, and that's, that's great too. They're even making fun. They're making fun of all the behind the behind the scenes stuff with all the legalities of everything. But there's a shot where you actually see him holding an unlabeled Coca Cola bottle for like a few seconds. Yeah, so. and Chip and Dale, when they say something at the same time, they say, "Jinx, you owe me a non branded cola or something." <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's 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 genius. It it really is. I mean, I guess if you were to strip all of that away, the basic plot of this movie is kind of meh maybe but i like but, the idea of having the the sort of bootleg movies and you know erasing the character's mouth so they can't talk i thought that was pretty cool but yeah, yeah it's definitely like a ready player one where it's just like look out for everything you can find it's a visual treat and it's just like a fun throwback like it was interesting though like i told my sister i was like you should watch this with avery my niece and they watched it or they started it and avery was like i don't understand any of these references i'm like <laughs> Who is this? This had to have been made for like our age, like like had to have been yeah. adults, you know. And they somehow snuck it on Disney Plus. But uh, <laughs> it, it's interesting to hear like kids don't even enjoy it. It's like okay. I also like to think this movie is within the same cinematic universe as Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Well, he, he's in it, so he he's in it. But did you catch the other nod to the movie in there? There's um a, the liquid so stuff. Like... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Oh, about, which I thought was awesome. The dip. Yep. Yeah. Yep. The dip makes yeah, an appearance. I was wondering. They don't. They don't highlight it. They don't point it out. It's just. It's just there. And that's. I thought that Mike, was cool. They go to Toontown or whatever. Because that's where all like everybody lives. Like you know, in Roger they don't Rabbit. go to Toontown. Toontown. It just. It feels like everything is integrated now. And it's not just. What's great also too. It's not just cartoon characters or CGI characters. It's also like. You know, puppets and all of that is real mm-hmm. in this world, and it's it's wow. a lot of fun. It's a lot, a lot cool. of fun. Yeah. Um, 
And then I also saw, uh, this will be my last one. I also um, saw, finally got to see Old. Finally got around to watching oh, it. I still haven't seen it. Uh, I'm going to say. I'm, um, I guess I, I didn't I, say at the top of the show. Unfortunately, Jason's not with us this episode. Um, and he's definitely missed. Well, I'm back soon. Uh, but I'm glad he's not here to listen to me say that I just I did Didn't. not really care for it. Uh, it's too bad. Um, you're you're a stand for him, right? For Shyamalan? I am. I really, okay. I really, yeah, for really M. am. Yeah, and um, I didn't hate it. Uh, I was what? I was entertained. No. There's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of great M Night stuff in there. Um, I like the story a lot. I just I personally didn't care for. A lot of the dialogue, I've, it felt really amateurish to me. The way the dialogue was written and and executed, and I know he's trying. He was trying to go for some stuff uh, with his camera choices, but oh my god! You know, you sometimes you'll watch a movie on you'll you'll find a link to a movie on YouTube that they obviously don't have the rights to have it on YouTube, so it's either like slowed down or sped up. Or worse, it's like enhanced and cropped horribly wrong on purpose, just so it can so it can play on YouTube. That is what this movie looks like. It just felt like it, the picture was 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 stretched out and cropped horribly. There's like shots where you could tell there's people talking, but you can't see them on either side of the frame, and it just, it just drove me nuts. And I know what he was going for with it. But it was very visually unappealing to me, so not a bad movie. And if you like M Night Shyamalan at all, I definitely recommend checking it out. Um, it's funny you say that because I think I saw like a comedian I follow on Twitter said uh, something like, "Has M Night never d- spoken to somebody? Like this dialogue doesn't sound at all like <laughs> real people speak." Basically, it, it really didn't. It really didn't. There's just there's a lot of moments in there that the dialogue was just really bad. And and from the adults, like as the kids grow up on this beach, I can understand their speech does not improve because it's it's not about time passing. I'll I'll say that much and leave it at that. Um, so like mentally, they're not changing in age um but so but it's like the grown adults are are out of the gate are like speaking horribly like aliens thinking that this is how human the human race talks to each other sort of like rob's hobby how he thinks people talk <laughs> you know with with not nearly as many uh, um skull fucking uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's, you know, trailer parkinese. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 I I mean, I I still say, you know, yeah, check it out, but uh um because my hang-ups on the movie shouldn't um hinder other people watching this movie. They're just technical hang-ups for me that that I found way too distracting, I guess, for me to enjoy it. So but that's all that I watched. Um, Tad, what have you watched? Well, I watched uh, Stranger Things also. I watched Started the Boys, which, um, again, I've, I've made it through the first season. I'm excited to continue it. Uh, I went back and watched an episode of The Last Drive-In I missed 
Uh, I checked out the little girl who lives down the lane and a great episode, a great creepy movie. Uh, mm-hmm, Joe yeah. Bob at his uh, best, just like learning about something like this that sort of has like a um, cultural importance, but it's not a very like mainstream movie. I don't know. I love when he does this kind of stuff. Um, I saw Sonic the Hedgehog 2 because it's streaming now. Uh, that was a lot oh. of fun. It has um, some really ridiculous references in it. Jim Carrey's at his uh, you know, best being ridiculous. Uh, it's it's a lot of fun. I mean, if you like the first one, this one's a lot of fun. And it has some Pantera in it and, and just funny little <laughs> wow. weird things. Yeah. Um, I guess outside of that, I also uh, checked out some uh, more Joe Bob. He, he showed Slaughterhouse, which was a first time watch for me. Um, and he went on a big hot dog rant, which sort of uh, <laughs> ended up if you're in the uh, Joe Bob mutants group, holy shit, they're still posting every day, nothing but hot dogs. And so I had to go buy <laughs> hot dogs. Uh, thanks, Joe Bob. Um, him and Darcy had a, a good debate because Darcy says ketchup goes on hot dogs. And Joe Bob says you never put ketchup on hot dogs. Uh <laughs> But uh, then he showed Tenembrae after that, which I've seen, you know, several times in in a good episode, uh, learning about that from him. But uh, this past week, he showed uh, The Monster Club. Coincidentally, we were just talking about that movie. Um, And that was a good episode. But one of my favorites, maybe my favorite of the season so far, he showed Hellbender, which I had never seen. And... I to me, this is all about this is like what Joe Bob's all about, because he brought the family who made the movie on and it just made me appreciate the movie to a whole new level. It's made by a father, a mother and a daughter, and they they all are in the movie. It's mostly the the mother and daughter that star in in the movie. Um, Have either of you guys seen Hellbender? No, I have not. I have not. It was made, it was released in 2021. It's this ultra indie sort of witchcraft type movie about a mother who lives in the woods with her daughter. And she basically is sort of like keeping her hidden from the world. And she meets some people and they have a, the families is like a rock band. Um, it's just really hard to explain without spoiling things, but Joe Bob had the the filmmaking family on there and it's the coolest fucking thing. You guys need to watch this because it's super inspiring. Uh, The girl is like, uh, I think she's probably like 18 or something. And mom and dad are just the coolest parents and uh, they've been making films and short films and, and and they actually have a real band called Hellbender um, who (laughs) did the soundtrack on it. It's like a heavy metal band. Um, and they tour and stuff and Joe Bob had them all on the show as guests. And then they, they did the, at the end, they did a song with, uh, Joe Bob and Darcy and, and, uh, John Brennan who writes all the music on, on the last drive in. And, uh, just probably my, like I said, my favorite episode of the season, my favorite one in a very long time, just a feel good, sort of really cool, like inspiring, you know, doing something with nothing family and, and having a breakout hit that played a bunch of festivals and, um, just good people just really cool to see them sit around and talk shop nice. and, and hear about how they made it and i i highly recommend watching this episode of the last drive-in um this is a cool way to watch it because i know I, was t- I always talk to brian clark as we're uh watching it live and he was like you know oh i've seen this movie i didn't really like it and then he's watching it and he's like holy shit like i completely reevaluated how i felt about that movie because of this episode so awesome. um hmm. Really, really That's cool. cool. Yeah, I, I like I get like I said, worth checking out. Really cool. 
uh, Hellbender on the last drive-in. That's what I watched. You guys, you guys might slowly be converting me into watching more Joe Bob. At least watch that episode because I think it, it highlights why he does a show. Like people always, why would you want this guy interrupting your movie? Well, when it's something like this and you want to learn the backstory of how it was made and the people who did it mm-hmm. and, and what went into it and how they did these effects with no budget. And it's just, you know, he basically, he's like, you know, we had a tripod, a camera and we shot, we didn't even have permits and we made this thing and it took off and hit all these festivals. And here we are on the last drive in. I mean, how cool is that? You know, it's like, right. That's, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. The education he gives about films and just, listening to him talk in general about these films or, or things related to these films. I can just listen to the guy talk about movies all day long. <clears throat> I mean, some of my favorite well, commentary tracks on DVDs are, are from Joe Bob, you know, for, for real crap films that I, I will want, I will put in just to watch the Joe Bob commentary versus actually watching the movie. I, I think I have a couple of them. I've never watched the movie by itself. Always just with the Joe <laughs> Bob commentary. I would love to learn more about Tenebrae. That's what kind of raised my eyebrows. Like, Ooh, he, he, yeah. And I, I did watch, um, half of that episode when it was live. Well, quote unquote live. Uh, and the whole time I'm thinking, oh, I hope he brings up the the weird thing about um, that the movie takes place in a dystopian future that is not referenced at all in the movie. And sure enough, he did. I'm like, oh, yeah. sweet, sweet. He, he starts off with talking about... And he's like, making fun of it, too. He's making fun of the titles of, like, you know, all the, the crazy... Atta- he's, he, him and Darcy are bouncing back and forth, you know, don't torture a duckling, uh, you know, just... Oh, yeah, all back, the wacky jello. All the, all the crazy titles that have nothing to do with the actual movie and, you know... Death laid an egg. Right. It's, it's just funny. <laughs> it's one of my favorites. Just funny stuff like that, you know, and, and it's like I love both sides of Joe Bob where he can go on a rant about hot dogs for Slaughterhouse and then the next episode, it's a heartfelt thing about um, getting out there and making a movie, you know, and he's like... You know, look at what they've done with nothing. So there's no excuse, and it's just cool to see both sides of it. You know, cool, cool. Yeah, definitely want to check that out. All right, well, thanks, Ted, for that. I do want to can just have one departure for a second. I just I want to ask you guys because I've been thinking about this a lot lately, and like I feel like that new mini series by Mike Myers is just getting slaughtered by people. And at what point did the world turn on Mike Myers? I watched the first two episodes and had fun. I haven't Is continued it, it. I want to watch it really bad. I haven't pulled the trigger yet because I still no. love Mike Myers. But I just feel like ever since Love Guru, he's been not, like it, people it's crazy don't to like th- him anymore. He put out three huge, huge, huge blockbusters with yeah. um, Awesome Powers movies, and the guy makes one movie that doesn't do well, and it's like, well, fuck you, you're you're gone. And it's well, not just that, it's also Wayne's World too, right? Wayne's World was a huge, huge hit. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, but just looking like the sequence yeah. of things, you know, uh, uh, it, it basically Cat in the hat wasn't great. Right, but I mean that's yeah, not exactly. his. But he, he he didn't write or direct that. You know, I, it's sort of like a. But Sam, he's still great in it, though. I mean, of I'm course he fun. he was in Inglorious Bastards, and he was in uh, something. Oh, he was in Bohemian Rhapsody. You know, in bit parts that's and right. stuff. But the fact that yeah, he he went from like creating, writing, directing into filmmaker prison because of one miss miss mark. It's like 
Gibbs, yeah, I don't get it. And, and, you know, watching this, like a lot of people are shitting on it. It's like it's Mike Myers, guys. Like it's going to be dick fart and, and poop humor. And if you sometimes yeah. when I'm laying in bed going to, going to sleep at night is a half hour episode. There's some really funny fucking gags when he, he, he plays all the characters, you know, obviously. But th- there's one thing that I thought was brilliant in the first episode. And, and this is not really spoiler. It's just funny to sort of explain this show. He plays this old Canadian news reporter um, that's sort mm-hmm. of trying to keep his job. And he drives from and I might have even mentioned this on the show before. He's driving from Canada into the U.S. and they show it from like a side perspective. And as he's crossing the border, th- the, the video mm-hmm. goes from like 480p to like 1080. And he's like, oh, the U.S. is much clearer. And it's just like a, a dumb joke that like Canada's blurry, like they're behind the time. So they're, it's like lower resolution. And it's so fucking funny. It's so simple, but it's so funny. I, I mean, I watched the trailer for it and I think it looks hilarious. And I'm just always in awe and impressed with Mike Myers literally, you know, playing these multiple characters and literally losing himself in these roles. I mean, yes, you could still tell it's Mike Myers, but. Like his accents are really good um, when he's doing different characters and stuff, and you know, and the makeup jobs are really, really cool. I mean, they are they they have the Mike Myers isms, but they're still to me like separate characters, and that's I just think that's a testimony to his talent. I think it's um, maybe just the brand of humor, like the Farrelly brothers, and uh, you know, Mike Myers, like that sort of gross out, um, immature humor is just sort of gone to the wayside for a bit you know and there to me there's always a spot in my heart for the dumb stuff and i i've enjoyed this it's, it's something to turn my brain off so you know what if you like mike myers watch it you'll enjoy it there was a um one season a few years back that they brought back the gong show yes and he played and, yeah and he was the host but they never referenced ever anywhere interviews nothing that it was mike myers you knew my wife's sister was on that show oh no kidding really yeah oh that's yeah she she did like uh animal calls and uh yeah megan fox and um what's the gal from uh snl uh oh maya rudolph were were uh were guests uh you know she she didn't get gonged but you know yeah that's cool but yeah that is yeah so yeah yeah, my wife's sister I, was on that show. I love the Gong Show. I've loved every version of the Gong Show, and this the, this one with Mike Myers. I can't remember his character's name. I thought it was brilliant. I thought it was a great updated version of the Gong Show, and he was great in it. So, anyway, I don't know. I just went, been wanting to watch that show. Just getting tired of people Do it. dissing on Mike Myers, and I just I think the I, I think the man is just as talented now as he was back then. So, when everybody did love him. Anyway, sorry. No, go, you should watch it. It's good. It's okay. funny. I will. All right. I also want to apologize, guys. I feel like my puns in this episode are getting a bit spoiled. Uh, I guess I didn't realize that it had come quite so far. So I'll quit oh, barking, and I'm going to turn it back over to Tad with pole position. From now on, like your parents were, you are the secret force of pole position. Okay, we're looking back to episode 261. We the the gang was asked, "What are the best streaming services for horror besides Shutter?" Um, we got quite a few votes here. 
Um, I'll, I'll go back through the answers. Insane Mike said uh, Midnight Pulp and Pluto TV. Jason said Tubi and Screambox. Andy said Shout Factory TV and Mutant Sorority. And I said Peacock and HBO Max. Coming in last place at uh, was zero votes, zero percent of the votes was Andy. Congratulations, me, me. yeah. Um, coming in second to last with seven point seven percent of the votes was you, Mike. So I'm not, I'm not surprised. Coming, I, in, I have a feeling I know where this is going. Coming in first place with fifty three point eight percent of the vote, over half of the votes was me. Somehow uh-huh. with uh, Peacock and HBO Max, which I don't even really agree with. Um, really? I mean, those <laughs> the, I, I I picked those because that's knew what was you were left. Gonna get the votes. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, they're the two. They're the two of the biggest ones out of all of I mean, the uh, HBO Max. I could mentioned. argue, but Peacock is not. I mean, come, it's not that great. Yeah. Or I would. I would. I. You know. I. Th- I feel like it's because I retweet it and tell people vote for me. You know. I, I do a little <laughs> campaigning, but um, I guess. We will move on to our next one, and um, the topic we are discussing is best killer plants from horror movies. Um, I am going to do a random generator to see who goes first. Do you guys want to do two rounds? Yeah, I'm down for it. We can, I I guess. I got a list. Okay. Let's see. I will spin to see who is first. The wheel is spinning, and Mike is first. Let me spin and see who is next. The next place would be Andy, and then I am third. So, Mike, what is the uh, best killer plant? Oh man, this was this was actually tough because I kind of want to go from my heart, but if I want the votes, I should probably go with my gut, right? Um, I'm probably I'll say my my first one is going to be the evil tree from Poltergeist. I didn't even think about that one. Hmm. I, I just remember when I was a kid and saw that movie for the first time, you know, that scene crapped in my pants and I hated having a tree outside my window for years after that. Okay. Andy. Well, I am going to stick with the theme of trees, but I'm going to go with the rather rapey trees from evil dead. All right, Evil Dead Rape Tree, got it. <laughs> it that was on my list. Um, yeah, but uh, I mean that's 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 seems pretty damn scary to me. I'm my my first pick is going to be the meteor shit moss from Creepshow. Yeah, nice. it was on my list. And I since we're we're uh, snaking back, my second one will be the plants inside the shimmer from Annihilation. Oh. Mm. I don't know if you've okay. seen Annihilation, but uh, the plants in that are terrifying. They're sort of like plants, animals, mixture, weird shit. Um, probably not a popular vote, but to me, they left a very lasting impression. Like It's like fever dream shit. Um, so that's what I'm going with. And now that goes back to Andy. Okay. Meteor shit's already taken? It is. Um, hmm. Let's see. Um, I will... Uh, should I go with... Well, Instinct, I'll do... I'll go half and half. Um, 
I'll go with my heart the second time around. I'm going to go with Swamp Thing. That's a good one. Good one. That was on my list, yeah. I thought maybe you would go. Well, maybe I'll, I'll let Mike go with his final pick before I, I say what I thought you might go with. I'm going back and forth on my final on my final pick. Um, do I go from Do I go from the gut? Do I Do I go for the votes or do I go and make Brian Clark happy? Um, <laughs> he doesn't have Twitter, so it's not going to matter. You'll listen to it, but he won't vote for you. <laughs> I'm going to go with the one I was the most proud of that I thought of, and I'm going to go with Christmas Trees from Treevenge. Shit, that's a good one. Yeah, that, I was pretty proud of that one. All right. Christmas Trees from Treevenge. I, the one I was thinking Andy might go with, he might go with the rapey tree from Evil Dead and then the gigantic tree from Evil Dead 2 that like Ash like saws into the eye of. Oh yeah! At the very mm. end, um, yeah. And, and there's a rapey tree in the Evil Dead reboot. So there's there's a uh, mm-hmm. you know Evil Dead just has all kinds of rape and plants. Yep. Uh, do you guys have any honorable mentions? I do. Uh, for the Bob Clark or um, Bob Clark, Brian, the Clark. Brian Clark vote, I had uh, Matango from Attack of the Mushroom People. Uh, also. To make Brian happy, I had Biolante from Godzilla vs. Biolante. Um, well, technically, wo- I was trying to do a Brian. <laughs> Correcting you about how, I don't know. And then um, I, have a, I, have, I have a bunch, but the last one I'll bring up um, that was from the heart, but I didn't say it, uh, Killer Tomatoes from Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Yeah, I figured that, that would be yours, the one that would come up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I probably should have, but too late to now. Yeah, it's too late. I think that I, I didn't even have anything else, so I'm glad that I got my two in because you guys. I mean, I had the tree from Evil Dead, and like I said, the Evil Dead. Did you have any honorable mentions, Andy? Oh, let's see. Well, I did have Audrey too, and I guess I had the uh, the vines from the ruins. Oh yeah. Yeah, I thought about that one, yeah. Cool. All right. Well, get out there. We'll get this on Twitter. Get out there and vote for me because I have the right answers. Uh, that's pole position. <laughs> okay, so it's movie movies times, guys. It's time to talk movies about times. these. Movies times. Movies Time to talk about killer plants here. Uh, botanical horror. Andy, what's our first movie? Okay, our first movie comes to us from 2019, and it is called Little Joe. Our aim was to create a plant with a scent that makes its owner happy. We are entering a new era here. The first mood-lifting, antidepressant, happy plant. We've received orders from all over the world. I just wanted to say that I feel really proud to be working with you. Look what I have for you. What do you say we call him Little Joe? You have to take good care of it. Keep it warm. Talk to it. It needs attention. What's so special about it? It makes you happy. Something. 
little Joe changes the people he infects. You're starting to notice too, aren't you? Fear can distort our perception of reality. If I made a mistake, then it's my fault. It seems that this has all been a bit much for you. He frightens me. You're a good mother. But which of your children will you choose? Good night, little Joe. Okay, Alice is a single mother that is a dedicated senior plant breeder at a corporation engaged in developing a new species. She has engineered a very special crimson flower, remarkable not only for its beauty, but also for its therapeutic value. If kept at ideal temperatures and fed properly and spoken to regularly, this plant makes its owner happy. Against company policy, Alice takes home as a gift for her teenage son, Joe. They christen it Little Joe, but as it grows, so too does Alice's suspicion that her new creation may not be as harmless as their nickname suggests. Um, like I told you in the description, um, this lady is a, a plant breeder, and apparently, you know, when you talk to this flower and you, you know, you nurture it as, you know, it will return in favor, you know, make make you happy through its either its smell or it's uh the way uh it releases its pollen um obviously it has adverse effects because as a plant it wants to survive so basically what it's what it's doing through these uh people's limbic system that it gets through into the brain is saying basically i want all your care coming to me you know, and no, nothing else really matters in your life, but, you know, my survival. And that's how it basically um, alters these people's moods. And although it does make them happy, but it just makes them, the only thing that truly makes them happy is caring for the flower itself. Um, this movie, although it's well made, um, if I think that I called Firestarter dry toast, this is uncooked pasta. I want, I, I appreciate a slow burn, but when is shit going to catch fire? I'm, I'm bored. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm guys, I'm really, really bored here. Um, I mean, it doesn't have to be thank like, you. I just want to say thank you. Cause I'm on the same page and I was worried because you're the one that suggested this movie. I'm just pointing that out. No, I did. Me? I think I did. Oh, was it? Oh, yep. was it you? Ta- oh, I'm it's sorry. me. So I was, no, I was confused. don't blame Andy for this one. No, no, no. I, I'm, it's, I, 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 I really truly like the idea. I do. I do. I like the premise, but I mean, get, you gotta give me something, man. It's, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's natural for your kid to act like an asshole. But, I mean, yeah, he does go a little further. Yeah. He accidentally hits his mom. But, uh, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah I, I need something more. I mean, it doesn't have to be like Joe Lynch's mayhem. It doesn't have to get that fucking nuts. But, I mean, it's, 
I am so bored. I mean, it's just like I would rather watch a flower grow than watch this movie. I'm, I'm, <laughs> they I'm, should put I'm, that I'm on the DVD st- case. <laughs> oh my god! I it was so boring. Even though that it was well made and it was actually, you know, for the most part, pretty well acted. Even even with the kids and everything, it's just like I gotta have something more. If you're gonna, you know, this is like. I mean, yeah, man, it's so it's so bland. It, it's so, you know, <clears throat> this is like. I mean, I feel like I could watch this horror movie in Sunday school, dude. Like it, it is so. It's it's weak. I'm sorry. I'm I'm so bored. I wish I, I, uh, I'm really missing Jason tonight because I know he would be on my side and go. Well, you know, this I thought it was really good because uh, <laughs> I really liked it. Uh, you know, really, it, okay. it, it's like one like dead baby or like full frontal dick away from being an A twenty four movie. Um, <laughs> you know, it's it's I love the weird color, like the the color palettes. The very um, it's very clean, very. Um, what do you even say? Like, um, sanitary sanit, like, like, yeah, like it almost feels very like, I mean, cause they have to keep the, the, you know, greenhouses right. very clean and, and it's very, uh, but it, it's just like the bright reds and the sort of teals and stuff. And, um, they stand out. Yeah. And, and, you know, vi- like great cinematography, like you said, great performances. I can completely understand why people wouldn't like it though. Like, I'm not going to argue that it's at all an exciting movie um, or even you could argue that it's not even a horror movie. It could be more of a psychological uh, sci-fi or something. Suspense or something. Yeah. Um, Not much there either. But, you know, I I find the concept like scary in itself that, you know, to me it's like, and I mentioned earlier, I haven't even seen the happening, but it's sort of like, the idea of these plants, they aren't aggressively like growing and killing us physically. Like there are other two movies. It's more of um, psychologically taking over. Um, And and it's weird. I mean, we often think about, you know, uh, plants are not just living things, but like when you, you see the videos of people that like they'll do a time lapse of like a vine climbing up something, or we have this Mm -hmm. plant at my work that's older than me. And it freaks me out. Like it's, it has this vine that like reaches out to my desk and it's, tr- it's like looking for water. And it's like, God, that's plants are fucking weird, man. Like <laughs> it's fucking weird to think about. Like we put them in Na- dirt. Nature finds live. a way, dude. Yeah. Nature finds a way. Yeah. And, and this, you know, it's not, this is definitely not something to watch if you're looking for um, a thrill at all. Like this is the other side of our other two movies. You could argue, or even really any kill other killer plant movie where it's very quiet. Um, very still, very sterile, I guess you could say. Uh, but I, I felt like it was a good, um, contrast to a movie that we'll talk about, um, here in a little bit, but, uh, to me, it was a nice trio of films and this sort of like balanced them out. Like, I don't know. It, it's that's not something fair. I'm going to, I'm not going to buy it on Blu-ray and probably will never watch it again, but um, I can appreciate I how, how uh, it was shot and acted and, and the, right. pa- the patience it took. I mean, you know, they slowly get to where they're going and drop little seeds. How do you like that, Mike? Um, throughout the movie leading up to to uh you know and and there's not really even like a big finale to it i mean 
like Andy said, there's not really anything that technically happens that's yeah. huge or anything, but uh, just the idea that plants can mentally manipulate us and, and yeah. change who we are is, is, you know, I could see that actually being a thing, you know, like and when I, you think about pheromones and that kind of stuff, like we're still very um, tribalistic in, in many ways. I love I love the idea, and I'm, I guess this is the case with you know all killer plant movies. Something that is so unthreatening in our everyday lives can all of a sudden be a threat. But with this movie, I got I I needed something more. I mean, I uh, it was. I guess I've covered that, but yeah. Well, if that is the theme of this movie and what they are trying to portray then i feel like i don't feel like it 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 did its job because it just it, it was i just didn't feel like it was enough to to convey the uh manipulation of the of pheromones and what that would do to us and that kind of thing and i've i've seen it done uh, in other films you know, better i mean it is a beautiful looking movie i do like the 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 color scheme as well um, the way it was shot and everything, and the acting is good. Um, yeah, it just was just way too slow and at I'm, the end utterly pointless. I'm say. also it's like, harsh to say, but I'm also a little. I thought it was a little odd for their choice of music. It almost like they had Asian flavor, like an Asian flavor to their music, like you know, almost like a like a like a like a flute to it and then like the the dogs barking like you there's only one dog in the movie and then it gets put down unfortunately but i mean it's like like there's dogs barking like whenever something like something weird or tense might happen i was just like i thought the the choice of music was just really kind of weird for this just for this movie well, I was going to say, too, that was my other problem with this film. The story <laughs> itself isn't bad. I, I, I kind of like the, the, the um, you know, Asian motif to it, I guess you could say. But that freaking stinger that happens about every freaking five minutes in this movie <laughs> that you heard 30, 40 times in that trailer... Yep. I just I just wanted to kick my TV. I it drove me <laughs> nuts. You know, it's you know, I mean, was it did they do that just to keep people from falling asleep while watching this movie? You know? You start to doze off and then it's tongue. I'm like, oh okay, I'm awake, I'm awake, I'm awake. I don't know. But I hated that so much. Like, you know, I can I can forgive everything else in this movie, but that part just it just I just I have issue with especially when it comes to sound and music and whatnot and just over repetition and the fact that that just punched me in my ears every freaking five minutes of this movie. I'm I'm listening to this was listening to the trailer right now and I'm like okay that stinger's gonna happen now and it did like I could call it throughout the entire freaking trailer when that was gonna happen because you could time it practically in the movie. Sorry, Tad. No, it's okay. I had never seen this. I just saw, like, I was looking up Botanical Horror, and this seemed like a contrast to the typical stuff. And it was, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and it, it and is I, interesting. And I appreciate it for that. I do appreciate it for it being different in this subgenre. Yeah. 
It's very right. uh, sort of the artsy version. And, and if you're not into that, that's completely understandable. I mean, I, I'm not going to argue that it's not, uh, you know, slow and boring. So, uh, you know, I guess that's a, uh, that's a big thing for a lot of people. It probably should be, you know, for, for people, if it's not, uh, if, if you're falling asleep, not a good sign. So, well, the movie won't let you. <laughs> okay. So the next movie we're going to talk about is from 1963. It's a classic day of the Triffids. the Triffids, when terror reigned from the sky. The day of the Triffids, when the Earth orbits into a nightmare. When the solid world of everyday reality disintegrates. The whole population is driven by fear towards insanity. The day of the Triffids, when destruction closes in from every side. Pilot, is he blind too? It's going to be starvation, fire, pestilence. Anyone caught in the middle of it doesn't stand a chance. I think we ought to get out of here and go on to Spain. How can you know it's any better there? I don't. It doesn't seem to have any central nervous system. Then how does it move? All plants move. And they don't usually pull themselves out of the ground and chase you. You have never been married? No. Why? I guess I've never been in one spot long enough to get caught. And now you are saddled with a family. It might have its points. The day of the Triffids, when law and order are overwhelmed in an avalanche of terror. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> After an unusual meteor shower leaves most of the human population blind, a merchant navy officer must find a way to conquer tall, aggressive plants that make weird gurgling noises, <laughs> which are feeding <coughs> people and animals. So yeah, Day of the Triffids. This is a classic. This is, um, you know, I, you know, especially with like a, you know, with like a Jason and Tad and. Dis- getting to discover some of these cl- uh, older films. I wanted to try to squeeze one, try to squeeze one in every now and then that I can of, of like an older film. Um, this is going to be one of the, this one, I don't know how you guys feel about it. it. It has a special place in my heart and I probably think of it more fondly than I should. Um, uh, and the fact that this was one of the very first videotapes that we had in my house as a kid. So, uh, 
Yeah, I watched it several times. I <clears throat> I even realized back then when I feel like I had when I was younger, I had I feel like I had more tolerance for slow burns than than I do obviously now. Um, that even back then I felt like this movie was a little slow, and it it still kind of is. I I <clears throat> but uh, I still think it's it's very watchable. Um, they tried their damnedest with the plan effects. Um, uh, some of it looks kind of cool, but you know, some of it you know does come off a little hokey. But it, it, I feel like it's they're still pretty strong for nineteen nineteen sixty three. Um, one of my favorite shots is when they're trying to lure the triffids away with the ice cream truck, and you get a nice <laughs> aerial view. And it, I think it just looks pretty impressive with like all of these poorly made triffid creatures following. You know, because they, they yeah. love it, the whole thing whole bottom half of the screen starts filling up with these with these triffid puppets and i thought that was a cool looking shot um you know you mentioned uh with little joe that this was just really close to feeling like an a24 film if a24 made made um cheesy sci-fi movies in the 1960s uh this would be an a24 film i love how um the whole world is falling apart and we're going into a post-apocalyptic society because everybody's blind. Um, but yet everybody that you meet in this movie is so calm about it. Unless there's a Triffid, then that girl in the lighthouse will scream like 30, 40 times. <laughs> um, even like that scene that in the, in the trailer there where, where, um, Somebody, when the little kid asks if the plot pilot is blind too, and then everybody panics and reacts. I'm like, did you guys not realize up until this point that everybody was blind sitting on this plane? Do you uh, not how did you not put that together? <laughs> I know. It's like that moment, then they realize everybody's blind. I'm like, wait, what? what? Uh, yeah, it took but this yeah, long. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so there, there's just a lot of moments where it's just like, oh, the world is falling apart. Oh, there's Triffids outside. That's that's nice. So, um, but yeah, I I still have I still have uh, fondness and and enjoy this movie. But what do you guys think? I mean, it's it's a '60s um, killer plant movie. It's uh, you know around this time we had a lot of giant monsters and uh, killer leeches, and you know it definitely falls into that category. And it's fun. It's it's campy fun. Uh, something that you would s- expect to see on Sanguli or you know Midnight yes. Mausoleum in the middle of the night, uh, and it has the typical score that's big, you know, boombastic, dun dun dun, you know, and and right. the, the hero handsome guy, and it it checks yeah. off all the things on the list, and you know sometimes that's fine if that's you know we. You, you, it's okay to. It's like ice cream is always good, you know. Chocolate ice cream is always good. It's so you know. This is this is your typical. It, it's it's just feels familiar and it's comf- comforting and it's fun to watch. You know. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. It gives off the uh, the Sunday. Um, I'm sorry, the Saturday morning. You know, matinee sort of popcorn movie. You know, yeah. like when we watched Matinee with, you know, John Goodman and stuff like that, you know, you can almost imagine like vines being strung all over the seats, you know, as like a promotion or, or something like that, you know, to, to go and watch this. It's got like like Tad said, it's uh, it's got that uh, atomic age, you know, 
I guess early Roger Corman, you know, uh, you know, feel and, and, and zest to it. And like, you know, the, the very, uh, square jawed, you know, uh, rough and tumble, uh, um, the hero, you know, that, you know, I think maybe, uh, 28 days later, kind of got the, got the idea of, you know, having the hero be up in in the hospital where he wasn't be able to, you know, be harmed by these, this comets, you know, that's, you know, animating plants and making people blind. Um, It's funny you mentioned that because on the IMDb trivia, it said that uh, 28 days later was influenced by the book. Oh, Day of the Triffids? So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. And and, and it says here, basically with the scene of, of the guy waking up in the hospital. Oh. I mean, that's where my mind went. I was just like, yeah. oh, that kind of reminds I mean, we didn't have to see this guy's junk, which I kind of appreciate. But uh, <laughs> um, also, um, H- Howard Keel, and I only and I only kind of know this because I remember that name, and I, and I looked it up. He actually was, he played uh, Mrs. Ellie's love interest on Dallas after Jock Ewing had died. So he was on Dallas for like years and years and years. And I know this because I had to watch it with my mother because, you know, before I went to bed back in the eighties. So yeah, Howard Keel hooking up with Miss Ellie on South Fork Ranch. I'm sorry. Pissing off JR. (laughs) I'm sorry. I had to watch Dallas. I probably would have just rather go to bed early. Hey, I mean, it, it had Victoria Principal and um, oh, Priscilla yeah. Presley when she was still, you know, there was a lot of good-looking women on there. Um, uh, Worst so. thing to watch. Yeah, this right? is true. This is true. <clears throat> I, I always wondered, and I haven't read the book, but even as a kid watching this for the first time, I think to myself, so the plants are not must not be threatening enough. Let's make the world blind so that the plants are way more threatening. Right? Like, yeah, it seemed like a plants. yeah, sort of like a crutch or something. Right. It was it also with the weird, plot like, device, I suppose. I again, I'm going back to my like how everybody's so um, nonchalant about the events that are going on, and you get that scene where the criminals had escaped from the prison and they're forcing all the women to dance and, and do other things that the movie won't come out and say. Um, but it, that when that shot starts of in that room, when the prisoners are like with all the, the women do not look unhappy about the situation. Now one is dancing on the table and looks like she's having a hell of a good time. And I'm like, right. you're being forced to by prisoner. Cause you don't learn that at first when you see the woman dancing on the top of the table that she's apparently being forced to, and you're just thinking, oh, they're having a party. I love the fact that he's able to, like, he puts on, like, a hat or something, and then he dances his way into the room with about as much stealth as, like, the clumsiest (laughs) cat burglar you've ever seen in your life, you know? And these guys aren't picking up on that. And then he runs into a guy out in the hall, and he's just like, Hey, you're not one of us. <laughs> I'm like, no shit. Oh yeah, yeah. It again. It's a fun movie. I like. I like the comparison to like a Saturday, Saturday early morning Saturday matinee type thing. Yeah, that's. I think that's the vibes that gives me, which always gives me the warms. It's it's fun. Things. It's fun though. It's fun. I mean, yeah. Oh yeah. No one said about anything about what their thoughts were on the amazing plant effects, though. Come on. 
for the time, you know, pretty cool. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you can tell how they did a lot of them, but, uh, you know, there's, uh, it's like watching it. I wasn't like, holy shit, but I was, I wasn't like, this is, this is bad. You know, I, I wasn't yeah, thinking like yeah. this sucks. There's a lot of rubber suits and stuff from that era. And it definitely didn't feel like rubber suits yeah. and, you know, or, or stop motion or anything. So, yeah, for what they had to work with, I think they did pretty well. So the movie, um, when they shot it, uh, they realized they only had like 57 minutes worth of usable footage. So the characters in the lighthouse was all added after the fact to pad out the movie, which is why they feel so dis- disconnected from everything else, you know, from the rest of the film. So you, it, I, I, I just read about that too, and I found that really interesting. Like, you got... You know, a couple separate stories going on here with different people um, dealing with this with these chain of events here, which you know is not uncommon with movies of this kind of grand scale of 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 uh, plot and and whatnot. Um, but to learn, I just I thought that was interesting to learn that uh, that whole thing was added way after the fact. Yeah, for, characters like we had that we have to fill some time. Yeah. yeah. Which they could have done the Tommy Wiseau thing and just added a bunch of uh, transitional shots of someone driving across a bridge. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think a lot of filmmakers like that need to uh, take a take a cue from Day of the Triffids because it, yeah. it they made it work. They made right. it work really well. It does not feel padded. No, you know, like 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 other filmmakers do. I always go back to Jason hates it, but the. Herschel Gordon-Lewis movie, Gruesome Twosome, that came up short. So there was like a five-minute scene at the beginning of the movie that they shot of two wig blocks talking about the plot of the movie. It's And it's just two wig blocks talking for like about five minutes just to, just to pad out the running time. And it's ridiculous, but I love it. Have you seen, and I've probably brought this up on this show, and I've brought it up on other shows. It's one of my favorite little fun things in Anaconda. There's a shot. Um, it's the movie with Jennifer Lopez and Ice Cube. Um, there's a scene where they needed a shot of their like boat coming back. So they play the scene in reverse and the water, water, the waterfalls going up in the background. It's like, how did nobody notice that? That is so shitty. Like they needed, they had to pad it with a scene of the, well, we forgot to shoot a scene of the boat coming back down the river. Let's just play the one of it going up the river in reverse. It doesn't work if there's a waterfall in the background, you idiots. (laughs) I mean, is it directly behind yes. the boat? You think they could have cropped it? Well, I guess they couldn't have cropped it. And it's very obvious once you see it, and you can't unsee it every goddamn time now. <laughs> Which, I mean, it's not like that's a cinematic masterpiece or anything. It's not like it's uh, John Hurt's best film, but... Uh, yeah. That's when you go in, you write an extra line of ADR dialogue about, you know, every 28 days in the Amazon, the this waterfall will go backwards. Right. Something, yeah. <laughs> All right, <laughs> Tad. What's our what's our next movie? Our next movie is no surprise. It's from 1986. It is Little Shop of Horrors. Presenting the unique story of a nasty little houseplant from outer space with a ferocious appetite. You will see it devour Cleveland, Peoria, and previously inedible portions of New York City. But now. Let us show you where it all begins. 
Starring Rick Moranis. I'm afraid it isn't feeling very well today. Ellen Green. Now he's not and Vincent Gardenia. What kind of a weirdo flat does that seem like? With a special appearance by Steve Martin. That is incredible. With John Candy. Seymour, where did you get such a weird plant? And Bill Murray. Now let's take a look at that mouth. What do you want? Same place? Ah, Okay, Little Shop of Horrors is a musical film based on a musical, which is based on a Roger Corman film. Uh, Meek Flower Shop assistant Seymour pines for co-worker Audrey. During a total eclipse, he discovers an unusual plant he names Audrey too, which feeds only on human flesh and blood. The growing plant attracts a great deal of business for the previously struggling store. After Seymour feeds Audrey's boyfriend, Oren, who's played by Steve Martin, to the plant. Um, after his accidental death, he must come up with more bodies for the increasingly bloodthirsty plant. So I'm about to blow everybody's mind. This is a first time watch for me. Oh, nice. I was I've gonna, really honestly, seen the Corman. Part of me. Go ahead. Part of me was hoping and praying that at least somebody on the show, this would be a first time watch. So, so this, this has been awesome. on the perpetual watch list forever. I'm familiar with it. Um, I've seen Corman's version several times on, you know, not only on the last drive in, but um, before, because it's a staple of the public domain DVD oh, yeah. sets uh, yeah. and late night horror host shows. Um, we've played it at the Capitol in October. Uh, it's amazing to think that a really sort of bad movie, I mean, not bad, but just a little crappy movie made by Corman and, and, that was like shot in like two days or something. Right. Like Next that. to nothing yeah. inspired a musical, which inspired a movie with that fucking cast. Holy shit. Um, right. Mm-hmm. And I will say proudly, I love musicals and this is fantastic. I loved every bit of this. I am adding the Blu-ray, the 4K, whatever I can find to my collection. Um, a big, <laughs> yes. big Rick Moranis stand here. And I can't believe I waited Me this too. long to watch it. Um, and I fucking love Steve Martin. John Candy was someone I loved since a, since I was a kid. Uh, and oh, yeah. His, his part is so small. But goddamn, everybody in this movie rules. Uh, it's so funny. I love the songs. They stick in your head. Listening to that trailer gave me goosebumps. It was so much fun. Uh, first time watching, not last time. I love this one. What else can I say? The, the effects are fucking cool. Audrey is awesome. Uh, as the plant grows, the voice is awesome. Uh, again, Rick Moranis knocks out of the park. He is he is perfectly neurotic and weird and funny. Um, the songs mm-hmm. are just catchy. I, I can't say anything negative about this. I love it, guys. Yay! Oh, that's awesome. I I grew hey. up on this film. I I probably have seen this probably over. I've said I could honestly say I've probably seen this at least 30 times from the time that I was probably six or seven to, you know, until now. Um, I think, uh, you know, how could you, you know, especially knowing what we know now, how could you not want to see a movie that has Rick Moranis, Steve Martin, John Candy, and Bill Murray in this, in the same film. Right. 
Um, also, Christopher Guest is the guy who buys uh, the first uh, flowers mm-hmm. when he says yep. that that plant. Um, who I, be- I believe that was Dick Miller's original part. Kind of, sorta. I mean, as far as the discover an outside patron discovering the plant, yes. Yeah. But Dick Miller, Dick Miller's character um, in the original, I freaking he's one of my favorite parts of the original movie. And it's a bummer that they didn't make the Christopher Guest thing bigger and add add the Dick Miller stuff to it because it would fit right in with the quirkiness of all the characters. Dick Miller's yeah. character in the original um, shopped at, at flower shops because he ate plants. He would eat flowers. Oh. So yeah, he would go weirdo. there. <laughs> he yeah. would go there, buy flowers at Mushnick's, and then take out a salt shaker and and uh, salt the flowers That's and start great. eating them right in the shop. Also, I want to point out, this is one of Tisha Campbell's very earliest roles as one of the mm-hmm. three singing girls. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's just, it's got a, a very, uh, I'm assuming this is in the fifties is when this is set. I probably late fifties, early sixties. I, I don't know from the stage play, but I've always had a feeling they were trying to, that, that, that the whole thing is supposed to be kind of in that era of the original film. Yeah. Um, which, was, which was early sixties. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the jokes are great. The gags are great. Uh, I mean, freaking Steve Martin in this, you know, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> I, I mean, just, just hilarious. I mean, you're, you're supposed to hate him, but I mean, he steals the you know the scene every day. Uh, aside from when he's uh, with uh, Bill Murray, though, I mean th- that that scene between <laughs> those two is yeah. yeah that 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 is great. I um, mean his dentist song is great. I when I was uh, working love that song so much. In uh, yeah, and I, and I regret it to this day because I should have freaking stole it. But it, they had a vinyl forty five of Steve Martin's the because I'm a dentist. Yeah. At the radio station that I was working oh, at in college, nice. they had yeah. the forty-five. I was like, God, I'm, I'm, I was as I was watching this, I was just like, I knew I should have fucking stole that. <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, this this movie is very near and dear to my heart. I mean, I mean, if you really want a very soft introduction to horror, I think you could probably show this to like a this four be- or five year old. Would, it's, this would it's be excellent. a great introductory film, yeah. I'll tell you, like, I know way too much about this movie. I know way too much about all of it. I love everything Little Shop of Horrors, the original movie. Uh, sadly, I've never gotten to see it on stage. I, w- I so want to. And here's a revelation for you guys. This is probably my favorite movie musical. Yes, I love oh. this movie more than Rocky Horror Picture Show. So, you know, sit on that for a while. Um, So I'm probably going to shout out a ton of useless trivia at you guys during during my part of this. But I just love everything about it. I love the songs, the music, the 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 sets, the the costumes, and of course the cast. Man, this is probably one next to Bob and Doug McKenzie. This is probably my favorite thing of Rick Moranis, um, you know, by far. And uh, all of them, you know, and I've always been a huge Steve Martin fan, dating all the way back to when I was a kid with his stand-up comedy. Um, 
and this to me was like King Tut. The, yep, King Tut. To me, this was like <laughs> the last of the wild and crazy guy, Steve Martin, um, where you know the, he added a lot to his scenes, uh, even though he was only there, I think, like uh, six weeks or something for shooting. Um, he would add. He added. He brought a lot to his scenes. Like during the dentist song, um, it was his idea to punch out the nurse, which is such a, such a, <laughs> such like a, a very sl- dance, slapstick little dance move there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, or when he when he's walking through the waiting room and he takes the girl's doll head and rips it off. <laughs> that was that was a Steve Martinism, right there. So um, yeah. Oh, I just I just I really really love this movie. I have. Have it on. I have the soundtrack on both vinyl and CD. Um, nice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ellen Green, who plays Audrey, is um, the original um, st- stage actress for Little Shop of Horrors. She, you know, originated the 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 stage performance of it, and so she's the only one from the from the um, off Broadway, yeah, uh, to come into the to be in the movie. Um, Levi Stubbs is the voice of Audrey too. Is freaking perfect, perfect. Uh, but one of one of the I think I don't even know what I what I'm saying as far as my favorite thing about this movie because there's so much. But I guess on a technical side, I'd have to say my favorite thing about this movie are the freaking plant effects. It is one thousand percent practical. There's no green screen. There's obviously no CGI. There's <coughs> There's no matted frames, nothing like that. <coughs> Those scenes with people face to face with that giant plant is a hundred percent in that moment. That plant is freaking there for real. That size, um, the biggest. Uh, where version is of that it now? Plant, that's a great question. Oh, I want one. Yeah, the I biggest th- version of that plant. I got a Funko made, Pop. <laughs> Yeah, uh, the biggest version of that plant that they made was the size of a VW Bug, and yet they still managed to make it do what it did. All practical. Now I will give one little inside thing that they did, which again, it's a brilliant move as far as doing practical work over CGI or anything else. When the plant is bigger, obviously it's going to move slower with the animatronics um, and you know the puppetry. Uh, so they filmed those scenes when the plant has to sing or do whatever it's doing. They, they did it all slow motion. So in those scenes, Rick Moranis is having to act and pretend to sing in slow motion. So then they in post, they sped it up to make it look like Audrey too was singing and talking normal with that, with that um, bud jaw moving like a million miles an hour. It's freaking seamless and beautiful and... I just freaking love. It's probably it's probably one of my favorite effects works in cinema history, right there, man. It's just so impressive, and nothing has been done like that since, in my opinion. So good. I can keep going unless anybody has anything they want to interject. No, I let my let my uh, thoughts be heard. I have nothing but praise for this. It's awesome. Yeah. He's already searching for the 4K online. And there, there is an uh, like an extended cut of this, right? 
That's a great question. I think there's I will, th- there's two versions of it. There isn't there is hmm. an extended cut because there is a song I think that was cut from the film. I know there is one song that's on the soundtrack that's cut to the film, and that was going to be the next thing I brought up: the alternate ending. So in the original film, ends on a downer, like. Uh, um, Everybody realizes that Seymour has been killing people and feeding it to the plant. So to try to stop the plant and, and atone for his sins, he sacrifices himself to the plant and gets eaten by the plant. The stage play also ends on a downer where the plant wins. The original way they shot the film, the plant wins. Audrey is killed. Um... And she then um, she is then fed to the plant uh, after she was killed, and then Rick Moranis has that that awesome one of the, one of my favorite musical numbers there, Mean Green Mother from Outer Space scene, a, a, a fight scene, a comical fight scene with a man versus a giant plant, and it's and it's a musical number. It's just awesome, but that ends with Rick Moranis getting killed. And the whole ending of the movie is to a song called Don't Feed the Plants, where Audrey and its little little baby Audrey's take over the world. And again, visually speaking on the um, special effects side of things, uh, it's freaking amazing. You're seeing a giant plant in these like miniature sets and stuff, and you know, and then that stuff, there's a lot of like forced perspective and whatnot, but of just these giant Audrey's tearing apart New York City, and the final shot is just this giant Audrey wrapped around the top of, of the Statue of Liberty laughing as Audrey is now taken over the world. And it is, I love that ending so much. You can, I knew, you used to be able to see it on YouTube. I hope it's still there. I There was a, <coughs> for the one of the early anniversary DVD releases of it, they included that as a bonus feature, but recalled the disc. And I was so bummed because I was working um, for Musicland at the time, and I had that version in my hand, but I couldn't buy it because it would have been a broken street date and would have gotten myself fired. And we had to send them all all those copies back before uh, before the before it was released. So, but I do have a bootleg on DVD of that of that final scene, I think, but I think like the Blu-ray may have that. It does. There's, I'm looking right now at the Blu-ray and there's a director's cut on there, which has a di- the different ending. Yeah. And, and you can actually watch the full, yeah, the full movie with the director. Oh, cut with that ending. ending. Yeah. Oh, now, now I need to get the Blu-ray and I would recommend checking it out. I just, I, I love the original ending as much as, you know, I love, again, I love Rick Moranis and a movie like that. Um, a movie like looks this looks to be reasonably priced. Yeah, it's like ten bucks. De- deserves kind of a happy ending, and you want to see little Seymour, you know, win, win and save the day and get the girl and all that. But that whole final musical number uh, with the plants taking over the world is freaking just awesome. I was bummed they changed it. Anyway, yeah. So yeah, and I, I, I've got so much. A little shop of horror trivia in my head. I, I, I was laying in bed watching this while I had COVID, and it brought me some joy. So, Oh, good. Yay. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, well, um, I guess that's it. That's all uh, for the films that we're going to cover in Botanical Horror. But don't leaf quite yet. The show isn't okra. Oh. Um, 
We are going to take a quick break so you can hear a promo for our podcast network called the Prescribed Films Podcast Network. The PFPN is home to dozens of amazing shows, including Genre Explored, which is a bi-weekly podcast plumbing the depths of genre films from the old, new, cult, and transgressive. Join, join the guys from Genre Explored as they explore the wide world of cinema, broadening all of our horizons one movie at a time. Check them out and all the other shows at thepfpn.com. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Prescribed Films Podcast Network, home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment. The shows on this network all have a common goal, providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media. The PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening. And we are back. Uh, it is time now to hear from you guys, the listeners. Here's Tad with shoutouts. It's time for shout outs! Shout outs! Shout outs! Shout outs! Shout outs! All right, so this week we asked, what are your favorite plant based horror movies? Um, over here in the Attack of the Killer podcast group, um, we asked and we got quite a few responses. Uh, everyone's favorite, Brian Clark, says Mantango, Day of the Triffids, From Hell It Came, The Navy versus the Night Monsters, Man Eater of Hydra, The Thing from Another World, Freak Maker, The Girl with All the Gifts, The Ruins, and once again, The Blood Island Trilogy. <laughs> um, yeah. And then Abe, our friend uh, Attacker Abe, says, The girl with all the gifts. I forgot that was plant-based. Great answer. And Brian responds, Technically fungus-based, like Mantango, but I refuse to play by the rules. Also, how in the hell did I forget Invasion of the Body Snatchers and Seed People? Yes. Yes. Lisa, Lisa Mary said, A Little Shop of Horrors, both 1960 and 1986 versions, and Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Yeah. Woo. Jason Underwood from uh, the I Like a Spooky podcast says the happening three explanation points. I like to revisit this one from time to time. The idea the plant can attack by releasing a chemical to make sure you make you want to harm yourself is crazy. Pretty interesting death scenes, too. So he might like little Joe. Yeah. Yeah. So in that regard, there's similarities between little Joe and, and the happening for sure as far as. How the plants affect people. Then we got Mike Reeb, the Reebster. Says, Day of the Triffids and Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Both versions are friggin' great. Shout out to Shrooms. Pretty decent little movie. And of course, Return of the Killer Tomatoes is one of the best horror comedies ever. Yes, more Killer Tomato love. And I I really love Return of the Killer Tomatoes. I've never seen a Killer Tomato film. Oh, man. I know. I almost, I almost for this episode, but I'm like, nah. Well, looking at these answers, we have at least two more parts of uh, killer plants. So, cool. 
Um, and then Tim Lenner says the guardian 1990 has a killer tree that murders an entire biker gang who really have to cooperate with it to get themselves killed. It's a tree guys. It's not even an evil dead tree that can come after you. <laughs> Same thing with Island of the doomed slash man eater of Hydra. If your monster is an immobile tree, the victims can just walk 30 or 40 feet away from it and be safe. For some amazing puppeteering effects, 1986 Little Shop of Horrors is the best. I mean, you just got done saying, you know, all this. Rick Moranis had to move and talk at half speed when interacting with Audrey 2 because the prop slash puppet couldn't go any faster than that. I've watched the scenes from the movie specifically to catch the sped up slow-mo movement, and I never have. Um, John Wademan's work on Day of the Triffids is much better than any of the movie versions, but the BBC adaptation from the early 80s is a treat. And lastly, the Tobanga from from Hell It Came is really great, terrible monster suit. They had to put in a jump cut for him to pick up a victim up because the poor stuntman in the suit wasn't able to bend down and pick the actress up. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's... It does not move very well, uh, and I don't think you can you can lift the arms upwards, <laughs> arms, but like you couldn't, uh, you know, lift your arms up in the air in that suit. It's it's hilarious. Over on Twitter, we uh, we had one response from our friend Genius. He says Godzilla versus Belante. Um, and then I, we also have a voicemail. So let's listen to that. Hey, attackers, Brian here for my bi-weekly telephone call. And it sounds like this week we're discussing plant horror movies. Well, I'm sitting outside in my backyard, just got done killing a bunch of grass and sitting between all these trees, hoping they don't turn around and attack me. But when we talk plant horror, I'm going to go a little different. Go Swamp Thing. I'm going to go the Christmas tree horror classic short Revenge, and what's scarier than being a stoner and your bong attacks you full of weed <laughs> with evil bong? <laughs> yes, I own the evil bong stash box autographed by Charles Band. I am that person. Hope you guys all have a good week. Take care. Bye. So I sort of thought about that with killer weed. I mean, it's a plant. Yeah. You know, and, yep. and it, I mean, I can't argue with it. And uh, it's funny that he brought up Treevenge also. But yeah, uh, he brought up Treevenge and Swamp Thing. So I wonder if he's going to vote for me or for Andy. On, uh, there you Andy. go. Yeah, we can see who, who votes for who. So, uh, you know, no pressure there, uh, Godzilla. <laughs> but um, thank you guys for leaving your, your voicemails and your uh, messages. Uh, if you want to be included on the next episode, uh, leave us a comment. And uh, you can also leave a voicemail at 415-952-6857. That's 415-95-AOTKP. Leave a voicemail. And that's shoutouts. So I guess... Since we don't have Jason here, I guess that leads right into our favorite segment of the show, Insane's Picks. Time for another Insane's Picks Hall of Fame. We are going to induct an actress who I consider to be the queen of Italian cannibal films. I'm talking about, of course, Mimi Lei. 
Mimi Lay is a British actress known for her appearance in different Italian cannibal films. Uh, she was born in 1952. Little is known about her childhood, but she had moved to England in her teens and began working as an actress, appearing in bit parts on television and low-budget British films. She began her acting career in television, but quickly made the transition to movies, start, starting with the 1971 Mike Raven horror movie Crucible of Terror. In 1972, she appeared in Sacrifice, directed by Umberto Lindsay, the first of several cannibal movie film cannibal cannibal movies filmed in Italy, and the first of several cannibal films she would appear in. Sacrifice is also probably better known in the states as The Man from Deep River. Her next cannibal film was in Regurgio di um, Oh man, Regurgio. Uh, Giorgio Diodota's Jungle Holocaust from 1977, also known as Last Cannibal World, as the lead native girl. Um, and after that, she had teamed up with Umberto Lindsay again for the film Eaten Alive in 1980. Throughout the 1980s, she was cast in various small roles before she left the movie business altogether. No one can really blame her for leaving acting behind, especially <coughs> after being in those cannibal films, as they were known to be very difficult to make, and would have a and would make um, have a toll on many of the cast and crew. Poor Mimi would even have to appear naked in these films, much much like in Jungle Holocaust, where uh, Mimi appeared nude throughout most of the film which includes an explicit shot of her, well, I'll just say, below-the-belt parts. After she left show business, she had became an, ex an Essex police officer. But she has recently embraced her acting past, particularly the cannibal films, and has appeared at film festivals and even had an amazing documentary made about her called Mimi Lay Bites Back that came out in 2018. I highly recommend checking it out. Um, I don't think it's streaming anywhere. I know I saw it on Tubi, but it's not there anymore, which is a bummer. Mimi really, truly sacrificed herself for her art and for our entertainment. And for that, we love her. And we induct Mimi Lay into Insane's Picks Hall of Fame. So that is it for our botanical horror show. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you. Uh, mulch. Mulches. I got it. <laughs> Mulcho gracias. Definitely. See, now you guys are finally getting into it. So until next time, remember, it's a garden out there. See you next time. <sighs> oh no, could this be the end of? <laughs> Attack of the Killer Podcast. Yeah.